Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and Whole and Complete is all about faith and wellness, loving God, living well. So I appreciate your patience with me. Y'all, I had the COVIDs. Yes, I had the COVIDs. My child came in here a couple of weeks ago with COVID. I stashed her in her room thinking I had quarantined, but you know, you still have to bring her her food and meals and all of that. And and of course, like exposure, you never know how long you've been exposed before symptoms actually start to show up. And sure enough, just as she was getting better and was on the mend and back to her usual self, I'm like, oh my gosh, please don't tell me. And sure enough, thank God for these um government, these free government tests that I hope y'all got through the post office, through the, the postal service, because... I took one of those tests and I was like, I will be a monkey's uncle, COVID. And so there were delays in production and I appreciate your patience with me. Uh, Usually I try to get these out every week, but yeah, it's been a couple of weeks because uh, not only was I down with COVID, but then once you get over COVID, then there's like fatigue. And then once you get over the fatigue, you have to get back to all the things that you missed and that happened while you had COVID so whew, I'm finally coming out of the fog. It has lifted and I am back on the microphone with probably one of the most important series that I have done in my podcasting life. And I say that because my audience generally is women. Like I, I know this, I get this. At the same time, um, I do have male listeners and I've noticed some things over the past couple of years that I'm like, you know what, you have the platform to be able to kind of speak about some of the things that you are noticing in a way that hopefully is helpful and impactful and raises awareness in ways that maybe we have not talked about um, publicly and broadly. And that is men, uh, men and their mental health specifically. And there is so much content on the internet, on the interwebs, on the social media channels, the TikToks and whatnot. A lot of men have platforms and some of those platforms are being used to reinforce toxic behaviors and mindsets. Some of those uh, platforms are being used to combat those toxic behaviors and mindsets. Uh, Some of the backlash for trying to come at you know, men holding other men accountable for some of the ways that they show up in the world. They're being called, you know, simps. And so I'm just, I'm noticing all of this. And then like, literally, as I was kind of like getting all the production ready for this episode series, Kanye went off the rails. And so we're going to talk about all of that in this episode. So Before I dig into this, I want to be clear about the kind of man that I'm talking about in this podcast episode. I am talking about a man who considers himself a masculine man. Okay, so there are all kinds of of masculinity out there. Uh, One that considers himself, quote unquote, a manly man, as we would kind of traditionally think about it. So I realize that nowadays, you know, gender roles and identities are very fluid. And so I'm specifically talking about a certain type of man, a certain type of masculinity. I want to go on the record and say I am not talking about all men. So don't y'all be coming at me sideways like, uh uh-uh, because my daddy and my brother and my uncle and my grandpapa, baby, 
I'm talking about a specific kind of man. I'm not talking about all men and I'm not going to be making any sweeping generalizations, but I am going to share some of my observations. Okay. All right. So, you know, we have to get our disclaimers out of the way. So as always, we have a guiding scripture and today's guiding scripture comes from the book of Genesis chapter four, verse nine, which says, then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. He replied. Am I my brother's keeper? So today we are going to be talking about self-destruction, the unmaking of Kanye and an appeal for self-love. So as we're talking about men and mental health, I just want to be clear on the definitions because, you know, I like to start these series with definitions. And so when we're talking about mental health, we are talking about a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. Okay, so a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being in this case, men. So let's talk about self-destruction. I'm going to read you a short excerpt from one of my favorite uh, stories from Hans Christian Andersen from The Emperor's New Clothes. And it says this, but he has on nothing at all, said a little child at last. Good heavens, listen to the voice of an innocent child, said the father. And one whispered to the other what the child had said, but he has on nothing at all, cried at last the whole people. That made a deep impression upon the emperor, for it seemed to him that they were right. But he thought to himself, well, now I must bear up to the end. And the chamberlains walked still with greater dignity as if they carried the train which did not exist. So this is the part of the story where the emperor has been hustled (laughs) into thinking that he's wearing these fine, expensive and exclusive threads that only he can see, you know, like that, that, that the poor people can't even see, like they're so exclusive and so high end that they can't be seen. And the truth is, is that he's actually walking down the street, uh, buck naked. And even his servants are carrying a train that doesn't exist. Like they're literally like they're picking it up and they're walking behind him holding absolutely nothing. And everybody sees this is happening and they are starting to kind of like question and this little kid pops up, you know, like, wait a minute. So this particular passage really drives home the fact that, you know, the emperor was surrounded by these people, these followers, these servants, these sycophants who saw that he had no clothes on, but they enabled his ego. They fueled his pride They doubted their own eyes and they ignored their instincts. And it wasn't until a a young child, a little kid, because, you know, kids tell the truth before adults teach them how to lie, uh, spoke clearly and plainly that the emperor had no clothes on, that the rest of the townspeople had to admit what was clearly and plainly right in front of them. Right. So there are so many lessons in this story, so many. But I think it's an appropriate gateway to kick off this conversation about men and mental health, because what is being described here is a severe lack of self-awareness. And when we lack self-awareness, we exponentially increase our chances of self-destruction. I'm going to repeat that. When we lack self-awareness, we exponentially increase our chances of self-destruction. Self-awareness is the ability to focus on yourself and how your actions and your thoughts and your emotions do or do not align with your internal standards or values. Okay, self-awareness is the ability to focus on yourself and looking at the ways in which your actions, your thoughts or your emotions 
do or do not align with your internal standards and values. So in the emperor's new clothes, the emperor's pride, his hubris, his lack of self-awareness ultimately led to his downfall and his humiliation. But in real life, I see a similar pattern happening to men more so than I see it with women. And this is not to say that women don't have our issues. Ladies, we got issues, okay? Plenty of them. Uh, We absolutely do. But as a woman, I have seen and experienced a dynamic that I do not see at work in male circles as much as I see them at work in female circles. And that is a dynamic of accountability. Now, for the record, again, I do not speak for all women, nor can I say that all women have experienced this. However, as a woman, a black woman in particular, we tend to have a dynamic of accountability where we let another woman know when her slip is hanging, when her slip is showing. And so for those of you who grew up in the church um, or been to, to church, you know, back in the days our, before Spanx, before the Spanx, you know, we used to wear slips to try to, you know, cover up the lumps and bumps and what have you. And sometimes a woman would wear a half slip. So you could wear a full slip or a half slip would just you, you gird it up around your waist. Right. And sometimes that devil would get away from you, okay? Like sometimes, despite all your best efforts, you know, with all that moving and and all of that going around in the church, sometimes your slip would hang beneath the skirt that you were wearing. And so someone would just politely tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, your slip is showing, your slip is hanging, okay? So that's what I'm referring to when I talk about, you know, your slip is hanging. And when a woman or one of our friends is, you know, doing something like she's drinking too much or she's doing her man dirty or, you know, otherwise in the wrong or, or exercising some questionable behavior, we tend to have a code and understanding, if you will, that a real friend or another woman with integrity who doesn't want to see us out there bogus can tap us on the shoulder and be like, look, sis. And women, especially those in community, tend to have no problem offering up their two cents, whether it's solicited or unsolicited, to try to help steer another woman who may be off track, off kilter, off script, back on a healthier path. Now, having said that, don't get me wrong, because there are plenty of women in the do you boo, okay? It's plenty of women in the do you boo crew. Like, honey, it ain't got nothing to do with me, do you. Okay, but for the most part, even if a woman doesn't come to you directly, she may come to someone that is closer to you where you might hear the message better with her concerns, okay? And when this happens, it brings an awareness to behavior or to mindsets or to red flags that need to be addressed. So here's some examples of what this looked like. Girl, you good? I mean, I'm just saying, you on your third glass. You know, I'm not judging. I'm just saying, you know, you don't, you, you, you hitting them, you tossing them back tonight. Is everything okay? It might look like, look, marriage is hard and I know you love him and I just think that you would regret it if you blew your life up from some old fling from high school okay it might look like I'm not judging you but they don't know you like I do and that outfit might be sending a message that you don't intend that's all I'm saying you know like it looks like that if you've ever watched that show like Insecure, it has this very kind of Issa and Molly dynamic to it. Like, you know, I care about you, sis. I care about you, friend. And I'm just making sure, you know, you're not going to be out here bogus. And the intention usually, because there are haters, okay, but the intention usually is I'm just trying to look out for your best interests. And that level of accountability and a subsequent willingness to be accountable 
is a key factor in avoiding or subverting self-destructive patterns because the willingness to be accountable is the other part of the equation, right? A woman can pull another woman to the side and completely blow her off. She'll be like, whatever, I'm grown. You know, that happens. That happens all the time. But if she is willing to consider wise counsel or willing to be honest with herself that she may not be making the best choices or willing to exercise some, here's that word, self-awareness, then she can avoid self-destructive patterns. And I start with this because I do not see the dynamic of accountability at work in male circles in the same way that I see it amongst women. For men... Depending on how much money, success, or notoriety he has, I actually tend to see just the opposite. There is very much a quote unquote, none of my business, man being a man, bros before hoes, you know, or, you know, what I'm supposed to say, you know, it's it's very hands off, you know, it's a very a cane response like I am not my brother's keeper dynamic like I'm it's not my turn to watch him it's not my turn to babysit him that's a grown ace man you know what I'm supposed to do it's it's very much like that and men tend not to have the same impetus to intervene in the lives of their peers the same way that women do because many men many men are very conflict avoidant extremely conflict avoidant avoided at all costs and so if the thought that pulling a, another brother to the side might create some drama or some dust up men are like and eh, nah i'm just gonna i'm i'm gonna mind my business i'm gonna stay in my lane i'm gonna just keep on doing me okay and the the idea of quote unquote you know snitching you know not being a snitch they don't do that you know because that makes you a simp they don't ask questions because a lot of them don't want nobody asking questions about the things that they do so there's just this egregious lack of accountability that also reads like a lack of concern like hey if he get caught out there that's on him like that's you they ain't got nothing to do with me and for the record, I am not saying that all men are like this. I have to keep saying that because, you know, people start getting uh, huffy and puffy. I'm not saying that all men are like this, but too many men are like this. And there seems to be this belief that to be a man is to, you know, figure it out, you know, figure it out for yourself and navigate life through trial and error, this kind of rugged individualism. And that's not always healthy, you know, the healthiest people are willing to be accountable in some way to their communities. Okay. Not to say that you have to do everything they say or that they have to run your life or whatever, but they're, they're willing to subject themselves to perhaps the wisdom of people in community. And truth be told for black men, especially if there is an intervention, it tends to come from their mothers or a mother figure or a male relative. And just like the emperor who walked naked through the streets because nobody had the gumption to tell him that he was wearing absolutely nothing. Nobody had the gumption to tell him that he was wearing no clothes. Too many men are losing their families, their wives, their jobs, their respect. They're losing contracts. They're losing business. They're losing credibility and so much more because one, poor choices. Two, there are not enough people in his life willing to hold him accountable. And three, he's not willing to be accountable. 
And, you know, I'm willing to take the heat for this if I'm wrong. But there is definitely a narrative of masculinity out there that says if I make enough money, if I drive a nice enough car, if I've acquired enough status symbols that you can't tell me nothing. And so the goal is get rich or die trying. Literally, Kanye said, wait till I get my money right. Then you can't tell me nothing, right? Right. Okay. So that narrative is absolutely out there. And I think that that narrative has driven too many men to pursue wealth and riches and fame and fortune at the expense of their mental health, meaning their mental and, and emotional well being and wellness. And it subsequently has created these blind spots and these poachers, okay, like these these sycophants that surround this man that are profiting from his success that keep him from being as self-aware as he needs to be. Like, hey, we got to keep the talent happy. So as long as the talent is happy, we Gucci, okay, we still getting paid. Which brings me to the unmaking of Kanye. I literally could spend the rest of this season talking about the many perils of Kanye West because baby, 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 you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm literally like Marvin Gaye, like brother, 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 what is going on? What's going on? I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I can't put a pretty bow on this one. Kanye has a problem. I'm not going to say that Kanye is a problem because that goes directly to his identity and, and how God made him. And Kanye is subject to human failings and frailty, just like the rest of us. Okay. So I'm not saying he is a problem, but he has a problem. Now that problem isn't necessarily his diagnosed mental health issue, which he's been very open about. And he's been very vocal about his conduct when he doesn't take his medication. And what we've seen from him is consistent with someone who is unhinged and without the very accountability that I just discussed. The issues with Kanye are multi-layered, okay? And anytime I take someone to task, I'm always going to start with what was my role, okay? Or what was our role as a people in what's transpiring right now? And I have noticed that black people, so y'all, I'm going to talk about us because it needs to be said. Black people really struggle, really struggle with holding our black leaders, quote unquote, influencers and artists accountable, the fact that black people have been systemically disenfranchised in this country sets up a real reluctance to take those who have beat those odds to task. It's like so few of us make it. We don't want to be complicit in bringing him down because there's so many social forces that are already against him that are already bringing him down. And yes, there are many social forces that are bringing him down, but it does not change the fact that Martin Luther King Jr., the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., was a cheater and an adulterer. He absolutely did cheat on his wife. Not once, several times, okay? That is, that's documented, but it's like, oh, you can't say that out loud. You can't talk about Dr. Martin Luther the King. You know, like, uh-uh, we can't do that. I saw similar dynamics play out with R. Kelly. I cannot tell you how triggering it was to watch black people, especially black women, blame young teenage girls for their sexual abuse. There was this toxic cocktail of denial and defending and deflection that really, if I was a non-black person, it would make me question whether black lives really do matter to black people. It's like, dang, they tear, they tear one another up over there. And we can't sanction or okay the harm that black leaders, influencers, artists are doing because it comes from within the community. You know, we can't put it in the category like the N word, like, well, we can say it, but you can't say it. No, abuse ain't like that. Okay, hate speech is not like that. Harassment, 
is not like that. Like there are some things that are just wrong, regardless of who's doing them. Okay. Because notice we have zero problem taking white people or other ethnic groups to task when we feel like they have done us harm. But unfortunately, black people tend to cape and blanket and rationalize and justify the kinds of behavior that we have seen from Kanye, especially in the months following his divorce. You know, some months ago or a couple of years ago when he said, you know, slavery was a choice, black people were like, I'm a stick beside him, you know, you know, or some people was like, man, he crazy. And that's what we did. We wrote it all. But they were like, he's crazy. He's off the, you know, can't nobody paying attention to him. He's just the, he's just the crazy uncle that we have in the family. Go ahead and fix him a plate. Let him sit in the corner and rant about whatever, but ain't nobody really paying attention to him. But that's not the what's happening here. People are paying attention to him. Too many people are paying attention to him. He has the kind of megaphone that amplifies everything that he says. And so while people may have muted him or written him off, they did not call for accountability. They did not call for cancellation. So it's entirely unfair to tear into and unpack the issues with Kanye without taking a good long look at ourselves and question why we are collectively enabling this type of behavior. But having said that, Kanye is a prime example of the type of toxic masculinity that I was referring to earlier, that I was referencing earlier. He reinforces this narrative that as long as I have money, power and influence, I am trans I, I'm transcendental, you know, like I'm I'm above this, okay? I'm not black, I'm OJ. I'm not black, I'm Kanye. And here's my thing, for the record, Kanye is not always wrong. If you listen to him, he does have some cogent moments and he does make some valid points about systems of oppression in this country. But his delivery is highly problematic. The fact that he weaponizes his influence to attack people, the fact that he abuses his privilege to stoke hate and violence is beyond the pale. It's unacceptable. It's reprehensible and inexcusable. Okay. One thing that money will do for you, it may not be able to buy your class. It may not be able to buy you love, but one thing it will afford you is options. Kanye had and has an almost inexhaustible amount of options from which to frame his concerns, his issues and air his grievances. But he chooses to do so in ways that cause real, actual, tangible harm. So who is going to tell the emperor that he has no clothes? Hmm? Having a mental health issue is not a license or an excuse to abuse. Kanye has options, much healthier options than the ones that he's choosing to exercise. And what I can appreciate about the Jewish community is that they did what the black community did not do. They demanded accountability. They leveraged their influence and rallied their allies and pleaded their case and, and pleaded their cause. And I truly believe had black people done this years ago, when Kanye started to attack his own community, we might be witnessing some very different outcomes. And I'm going to be honest with you. I really did him and haw about addressing men and mental health because I thought, Oh gosh, who am I? Right. I'm a woman. And what do I know about being a man and masculinity and all, all the rest of it. But I do see myself as my brother's keeper because I can step back and look at the systemic consequence of not being accountable, of believing that money is the cure for what ails you because it is not. And if we don't speak up, we do so at our own peril. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse six. For those of you who don't know me or listen to like my previous podcast, Believe in Bigger, baby, I love me some Old Testament. And Ezekiel 33, six says, but if the watchman sees the sword coming, 
and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Y'all, I have no problem being the Whoopi Goldberg sitting on the couch with uh, Demi Moore like Molly, you in danger, girl. Brothers, y'all in danger. Son, brother, homie, y'all in danger. Okay, because this type of behavior is harmful and reckless, which brings me to an appeal for, for self-love. So Ephesians 5:28 says, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Some versions of this say husbands ought to love their wives as they love themselves. I really start to wonder and question, man, do you love yourself? Do you love yourself? I was taught that the definition of love is seeking the highest good of another person so that when you love someone or do something loving towards that person, it should be with the idea that this is what is for their highest good or their best interest. And this also includes tough love. Sometimes we have to do things that we don't want to do, like set boundaries, enforce discipline, exit a situation or create distance because it's what will be best for the other person. But in this episode, I want to make an appeal for men, especially to love themselves, because listen, you can be self-serving, self-seeking and selfish and not have self-love. Love is, am I doing the thing that is in my best interest that will yield my highest good, that will make me the best man that I am capable of being? You know, we talking, um, we often talk about living our best lives, right? And when we do, We're talking about our own joy, our own fulfillment and our own happiness. But I don't think it's possible to get there without loving yourself enough to actively and intentionally work on the parts of you that need to be healed. I do not think that it is possible for you to live your best life without actively and intentionally working on the parts of you that need to be healed without examining the teachings and the conditionings that just do not work in healthy human connection. You know, the Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What is the quality of your relationships? Are you serving a purpose higher than yourself? How willing are you to be vulnerable and transparent and accountable and responsible for how you show up in the world? You know, I think a lot of times in heterosexual relationships, too often women are engaging with men that don't love themselves. And then when the problems come, when the conflicts come, it's it's and when he's not loving you in the way that you want to be loved, it's a byproduct of the fact that he may not love himself and may not know how and hasn't figured out how to do that. And so if he can't figure that out for himself, he's going to struggle to do it with you. And unfortunately, we live in a society where respectable behavior, like literal respectable behavior is called being soft or being a simp or being a wimp. And because we are hardwired for love and belonging, brothers, I can definitely see the appeal of wanting to be accepted by the brethren and the brotherhood of manly masculinity. Like I get it, right? But at this stage in the game, we cannot live for the acceptance of of our peers, okay? Of potentially toxic peers at that. Each man has to ask himself, what kind of man do I want to be? And I have seen men who aspire to certain high values, who aspire to certain goals, but the way he lives his daily life, the things that he actually does are in direct contrast to those values. So when there's that kind of disconnect and there's that kind of dissonance, brothers, I am making an appeal to you because I love you. 
and I want to see you thrive and I want to see you win. I'm not, I'm not trying to tear you down. Like I want to see you doing the damn thing. Okay. But I am making an appeal for you to love yourself enough to do the work of wellness, to examine the parts of your life that don't work, to recognize the emotions of anger or insecurity or sadness and understand why they're there to notice what your triggers are and learn how to manage them. This is the work of self-love, recognizing the places where you are naked and exposed and clothing yourself, O emperor, in healthier mindsets and relationships. So that is where I am going to leave it for now. I assembled a group of of Avengers, as it were, uh, some men that I'm going to bring onto this show. And I'll say more about that on the next episode, but it's really a, a, a powerful connection, a powerful conversation. I can't wait for you all to hear it. Some of these men are celebrities and so you know them, but I'll say more about that in our next episode. So if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, if y'all got smoke for me, bring it. I'm, I'm ready for you. Hit me up at Dr. Shante Says, and I will see you next time.